So this is a spur of the moment Thanksgiving um, week treat. Um, he's home visiting his family for uh, the break. Uh, this is an interview with Hari Mix, 2004 graduate of Almarle High School, um, one of Almarle's all-time greats. Uh, he was state champion in the 3200 meter as a senior. Um, he's a school record holder in the two mile and 5000 meter. Uh, went on to run for Stanford and there was an All-American in the 5000 meter, one of their um, best runners when he was there. Um, this is a super fun interview. Hari gives us an honest look, uh, not only at his high school career, um, but his collegiate career and the highs and lows that came along with that. Um, it's always great to hear from someone that had the success ha that Hari had, um, how he got there um, and how he handled um, certain um, ups and downs. But um, we get to hear a lot of fun stories of some of America's all-time great runners and even um, his times at Almoral, like early Panorama Farms, et cetera. So, um, definitely a must listen. Hope you enjoy. Um, and like always, let's have Jay take it away. Recording. Um, I don't know why I say that every time, but um, this is a special <laughs> guest. We're really excited for this. We got three of the coaches here on this kind of um, all happened in the last week. Um, but we got Hari Mix, who a lot of you have heard of because um, he's school record holder in two events still. Um, the question always is like kind of like who is Hari Mix? So um, we'll find out a lot today, which I'm excited about because it's been a while since I've caught up with Hari too. But um, Hari ran nine flat for the two mile in high school, which is 856, 3200. Um, he was a state champion, and correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, indoors, runner-up yeah. cross-country, runner-up outdoor, um, yeah. longer guy, so 3,200 always for the most part, right, in track. Um, and then um, went on to run at Stanford, um, was part of their varsity squad, and um, had PRs of 7.58 for the 3K, which is really fast when you think about it. Um, yeah. And then 5K, 13.56, and then 10K, 28.50, is that right? Yeah. Um, yep which is rolling. Um, and now he's a um, professor at Santa Clara. Um, the online says stable isotope geochemist. So hopefully you can explain that later, exactly yeah. what that means. But yeah. Um, um, so we're, I, I, Hari was a senior when I was a freshman at Western. Um, and he was obviously one of, if not the best distance runner of the state, um, his senior year. Um, and so I looked up to him a lot and was a big fan. Brez, you probably, um, you're, you're younger than Hari, so you probably remember Hari big time. In oh, yeah. We were really competitive. We raced against <laughs> each other. Was beat him a couple of times. No, no. <laughs> Looked up to you where, for sure. So it's cool to have this opportunity. Yeah, where did you run? I ran at Cortland High School, which was in okay. the Battlefield District. I don't know if you – Yeah. It's like the, Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So, uh -huh. Yeah, good. So, yeah, Hari, um, I guess um, if you have anything to add to that, you can. But also just, like, I guess start with – introduction to the sport and how you got started out more and then I'll maybe talk about that time a little bit I guess yeah well I was always the kid you know exploring the neighborhood uh on my bike or walking or running running to school that kind of a thing just always um out out and about out in the woods that kind of a thing and then I um 
you know, we had that gym class mile um, and um, I started taking that thing really seriously. And I noticed like a really amazing progression uh, each year. And actually possibly one of my best athletic performances all time was when I was a 10 year old. Um, so there are two miles, like there's the, the one that pretty much everybody runs, but then there's also the makeup mile for any kids who missed the previous class. Okay. So I ran 601 as a 10 year old. Uh, and then two days later, I ran 558. And that 558, uh, I think stands up. Um, this is the beginning of fourth grade. It's amazing. Where, where <laughs> so were you at school? I, hmm? Yeah. What, what on, that, school did you to? on that, uh, on that uh, Hollymead Elementary, Sutherland Middle School, nice. that kind of hilly track. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that paved weird track. And um you know, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. So I, I, I knew that I had a, a real knack for it. Um, and I was hearing these inklings of, um, you know, what these guys at Sutherland were doing when I was a fifth grader and if you can beat the sixth grader time or that kind of a thing. Um, but I never really, um, did anything else. And then I ran two 5k fun runs when I was, uh, an eighth grade okay. and was thinking about going out for cross country. Cause I was, a, I was playing baseball. Um, and my tentative plan was to maybe go out for the Albemarle team. Um, but I was really small, as you may remember. Uh, and, you know, the big diamond just didn't really fit with me. So I went out for a cross country and, um, you know, it started really informally. There was a kid in the neighborhood that was on the team. And um, it's like, oh, well, if I can carpool with Josh out to these informal training runs out at Panorama three days a week, 6 a.m. practice. Mm -hmm. And um, that I remember that first one really vividly, you know, running out at Panorama and, um, um, you know, not really fully knowing, you know, where I was or what, what was going on and just had to keep up um, with these older guys. And I remember the older guys were running six miles and I just was I couldn't wrap my head around it. I did three miles. I ran out to the big easy and back. Okay. Um, and that, you know, I like, you know, and there's the dew on the grass and everything and just, you know, kind of really falling in love with the uh, summer training. And we went out to Colorado on a family vacation and I, I put in some real work out there on this one dirt road um, every morning and um, came back and, and had a really successful cross country season. Started out in JV, my first, I think four races um, and ultimately uh, made the top seven um, by, uh, by the AHS Invitational, I think. Uh, yeah, so um, that was that kind of, that kind of introduction to Albemarle um, and being the only freshman. And actually, interestingly, I was the only person in my class on the cross country team the entire way through. All four years, I didn't oh, have a, a single teammate in my grade the entire time. So Whoa. talk about a contrast to the Wait, size really? of the team now. Mm -hmm. I was the only person in my class the entire time. You couldn't so get a I single friend to come with you? Hmm? You couldn't get a single friend to come out with you? Yeah, for real. Friend? I didn't have anybody. So I really, really, really looked up to the seniors, and there was a big junior class. Yeah, so see, the junior and, class. And was... I had this, like, weird interim when I was, like, kind of like a junior, and these younger guys came through, and then we had a nice real crop of them, and we had some success with them, and me being, a, you know, an, the only older guy. How weird. Uh, and leader for you know for that younger crop um so i never had peers um in high school huh um but you mentioned that you i think everyone first can relate to that first practice at panorama i think every guy on a team has gone through that where they like yeah. show up they're kind of amazed by panorama but they're just like trying to run with anyone and find out what's going on um but um i 
I think before Buzz had a success, and maybe our team's now the best team in Almaroth history, maybe I'm wrong with this, was your like freshman, sophomore year. Is that like you guys were like really good those two years. So can you talk about the yeah, effect those guys had six. on you? I, we got sixth and I think we got third and yeah. we got third with not the greatest race. Okay. I remember Joe Murray, Steve Murray's son. So, you know, from, of Panorama, um, he, he couldn't forgive himself after that race. He was, um, just sobbing, you know, it was just, um, just not the right day for us. Um, so I think we had a, uh, a chance at, at second or first, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so, did you? So we had we had two or three guys that ran D one out, yeah. out of those upperclassmen. Yeah, yeah. a lot went to JMU, right? Um, yeah. Like Travis and Nick. Travis Lambert and Nick Noe went to JMU, and yeah. um, there were a couple other guys that added a lot of depth to the team. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember that team distinctly. Um, so, did you fall in love with the sport right away? Were you like hooked right away after that first cross country season? At, yeah, that first cross country season for sure, because I didn't really know what cross country was until I tried it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. then you ran I didn't know like, you know, any of that stuff. And, you know, the other thing that was really exciting as a freshman was that Alan Webb was running. And yeah. so you just show up to a cross country meet at, you know, uh, um, uh, what is that school up in Orange County? Um, private school. Oh, Woodbury uh, Forest. Woodbury. Woodbury yeah. Forest Invitational and Alan Webb is there. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's up what? there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So being a freshman and being like four or five weeks into your se- maybe three or four weeks into your season and seeing a performance like that. Yeah. And then I won the JV race and he cheered for me and I was just like, you know, blown away. <laughs> I'm going to be Alan Webb. This yeah. is it. Um, and I, you know, and you know, this was, and there were just, just whispers from other teammates of who do you think the best, you know, can anybody beat Alan Webb? And then, you know, one of the guys on the team, Wes Kimball was like, well, Dathan Ritzenheim can beat him. And, you know, and I was like, who are these guys? And, and then they told me what Foot Locker was. And I started okay. to learn like a little bit more about what the sport was. Cool. Well, yeah, I think um, we were talking a little bit about the growth of the sport before we started recording, but um, we talked about how high school running has continuously to prog- continue to progress over the last 20 years. But we we're talking about how it really was starting when you were there. And I think those three guys, we named two of them, Alan Webb, Dathan Ritzheim, and Ryan Hall um, yeah. kind of like brought that on. So yeah, I can't even begin to think about, I remember being in, so you, when you were a freshman, I was a fifth grader um, yeah. Yeah. and going to my brother's meets. And I remember being obsessed with Alan Webb and thinking I was going to be the next Alan Webb. So as a freshman, that's just yeah. getting introduced to the sport. Um, we haven't had a guy quite at that level and excitement since then. I mean, um, so yeah, that's Maybe pretty Drew Hunter. I don't know, but yeah, yeah Drew was close, but I don't know. There's something Not about the same. It's not the same. Like when he, see, three fifty nine indoors is just like, like your head just explodes. Yeah. And and then the, his prefontaine classic. I mean that that just yeah. um, he was truly world class at the time. You know, yeah. I mean El Garouge is in the race. Legat's in the race. I mean, it, it was just um, uh, you know unlike anything since probably Jim Ryan when Jim Ryan was like basically exactly. the best guy in the world in high school. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing just doesn't really happen anymore. But yeah, I got to like meet Alan Webb. I got him to sign my uh, my Kennedys, which were his uh, spikes. And yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Really Very yeah. cool, um, guys. You, uh, Raz, anything to add to that? Any, any questions with that? Oh man, that's just in, insane. That's so cool. So um, Woodbury Forest. We don't. Sometimes we go up there for meets nowadays, but it's a very different um, kind of. 
what do you say, environment, Adrian? Yeah, the cross country meet isn't as like big as it used to be for sure. Um, Canton, Albuquerque, like Fourth Union. It was like kind of around the same. Yeah, level. You get, yeah. Did, you, did you guys still have the orange shirts? Was that was that was that a thing back then? Because because I went to a private school that raced against Woodbury Forest, and I remember that you, the top twenty get like orange shirts, and that and it was like one of the first invitationals. You can walk around with these garish Woodbury <laughs> Forest orange shirts for the rest of the season. The best well, one that I, I have I is. Al Webb ran like under 16 on that course, correct? Oh, like, oh, he, yeah. like it was like it was like unbelievable. And like Which is sub 17 on that course is a big deal. And he like yeah, it is. was like was like one of like maybe one or two other runners, maybe John. Well, Alan Webb ran like 14 okay. on Great Meadows in like the most outrageous wind. I remember running that race and he was coming the other way. We're going down that hairpin by the fence, and you're like, how is this dude like <laughs> 300 meters up on me right now at a mile? Yeah, yeah it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was there that day too. But, uh, he went to Foot Locker and ran like 1441s. Yeah, I mean, Alan Webb ran this race, low key race up in Northern Virginia at Bull Run that uh, he was wearing trainers and he, one of them was untied and he broke 14 for three miles. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It is like <laughs> stupid. Like you just hear these stories coming in. And again, like, you know, like you were hinting earlier in terms of the depth and just how much you guys know about running right now compared to what we knew this, I was the very first generation, like while I was in high school that we even had like a website to go yeah. to, to see what other times people were running. You didn't yeah. even know anything. All you see is the name and the result. There weren't even like photos of these other guys. Uh, you know, let alone like streaming video and watching other people do workouts and stuff exactly. like that. So basically, like when I was coming into running, like basically the only way you could find out about anything was that you'd have to buy a magazine. Hmm. Oh. It was like Trackfield News and the Harrier was the big one, right? That the, was it. Yeah. There wasn't anything else. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to find out what any of your competition was doing. Yeah. So as you, yeah, Brandon Miles, which is Milestat, was a year older. Yeah. Than Hari, so he started it when Hari was in high school. He started he it, and we were peers, and we knew each other. And it's yeah. like, here's this guy, like who started this website called Milestat.com, and it's, <laughs> it kept getting better and better. Yeah, yeah, um, it's amazing. yeah. Oh, yeah. So Brandon Miles was a was a peer, and we would see him at all the meets. And now it's become, you know, Miles Split Network has become this really big thing. But at the time, it was just this high school kid <laughs> who wrote his own website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And it's cool because yeah. you can look back and see a lot of those articles still and everything, which is cool. Um, yeah. Um, so give us a little, um, I guess, talk of your progression from freshman, obviously good freshman you're on the top seven team that um, yeah. was doing well at States. Um, yeah, I think but, I ran, um, I think my best performance that year was maybe low 17s. Okay. Um, awesome. at, at Panorama. I think maybe yeah. 1705 or something like that. I forget. Okay. Um, well, I guess let's, let's, let's talk about the, oh, this. So Panorama was new. When did Panorama start? Like the late nineties, right? When Joe, how much older was Joe than you? Um, Joe was two years older than me. So that okay. was Steve Murray's son. And this was kind of related to why Panorama even got started. Yeah. So the actual origins, yeah, you should go to the, uh, the coach Wisend uh, interview, um, that you, that you did. Cause like, you'll get more than I, than I know, but, um, it was like, not that much of a thing like panorama was still um kind of this uh this new thing and they were figuring it out and there most of the courses were kind of in limbo like they were kind of creating the courses mm-hmm. um yeah huh. but it's pretty similar it's stayed as far as i can tell yeah. like panorama has stayed pretty close to its roots 
So, so, so you, how, oh, sorry, Razor, I was, at, uh, at Panorama, you know, because the kids run there all the time and you were running there like kind of trailblazing, basically. When you would get eventually old enough to go uh, past Big Easy, would you get up to that road? What's the name of that road, Adrian? And kind of go back and forth? like Race Ford. Yeah, Race Ford. Well, yeah, would y'all do that? The, not the, the gravel, the gravel race for it. It's like a gravel race for lane. Yeah. 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 We would go out there, you know, occasionally, but, um, you know, there were, I don't know, are there mountain bike trails anymore? Like, no. So those yeah, are so there, that was really cool. And we would do that more often than anything is there were this network of single track mountain bike trails through the woods and they went all around the property. So the full loop of the property was probably like 12 miles or something like that. Wow. And then there were additional trails. So we would do a lot of runs in the woods and it was really cool. Like, I mean, like cliffs over the Ravana river, there are all kinds of like oh, really? amazing spots on that property, like truly amazing spots. Um, and just like lots of exploration. And we would see foxes and deer and all kinds of stuff. And um, yeah. And also if you're an underclassman, um, you don't know where you are. Like you have to keep up with the upper class. Um, and that same thing, even worse actually happened to me in terms of running around Albemarle. Like I didn't know Charlottesville all that well. Um, um, so yeah, yeah, times have changed with that. We're, we're not even allowed to have kids off campus now. So imagine running at Albemarle now, um, which is. Um, wow. just, so just they have to run safety. on like yeah. do it or something like that. Yeah. I mean, if they have Canton with them, they can like venture off a little bit, which is a big day for them. Um, I, I have to be like a crossing guard, basically. <laughs> I'm a glorified crossing guard when I'm around. Yeah, no, that's brutal. That's tough. Yeah, which is tough. So, um, especially yep. as an upperclassman, I would do you know lots of um, longer runs from Albemarle on the Ravana Trail and go down. Um, I would even do runs all the way out to the reservoir and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think Miss yeah. Tyson would um, have my head if <laughs> if I had kids doing that now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, times have changed, but. Um, um, cool. Well, um, what was I going to say? Oh, how do you feel about NCAAs at Panorama? I'm so excited. Yeah, when that came out, that was unbelievable. Um, that's really cool. And I think that's, that's one thing that uh, I think the guys should, uh, should know is just, um, you know, kind of where Panorama comes from and, and not to take Steve uh, Murray and, and, and the venue for granted. It's like, it's, it's pretty lucky to have it. And then it's, it's so good. So I've run a lot of uh, college cross country meets, obviously, and um, you know I've been all over all over the country racing, and it's it's about the best venue that's out there. It's also one of the hardest ones. I think you all know that too. It's just like you you like to earn it on that course. Yeah. So like, yeah, like I don't think there's any other hill, and you know the hill I'm talking about. I don't think there's any other hill that I've run in cross country that's comparable. The yeah. at panorama not at the collegiate level well that's that's so, the um, big kind of like news is they've kind of i don't know if you know this and not to be um uh, have some disappointment here but um they've changed the college course so it's oh, okay. so it's now and this happened in the past two years but they they had a lot of complaints and you could probably understand this because it's 10k 10k at the end of the men's ncaa season and they always host regionals and all the um southeast regional um, runners would be upset because they're having to run hilly panorama a week. And then now it's only eight days before NCAAs. So it's the first 10K of the season and they're running hilly panorama. So now the course is all just in the first K field um, or the finish line field. And it does like 3K loops and 2K loops. And it's actually really great for spectating, um, but it doesn't even have the last final hill. 
Um, I was about to say it's the best spectator thing. Although Foxfield would be the best for spectators. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's making a comeback. That. But um, because like they did that in like '83, right? It's '87 or '88. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, because my parents, my mom's on the board there, and they just had they've hosted the four milers out there this year. Um, yeah. So there's potential interest for that being cross country course, which would be cool too. But um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like I think Mr. Murray's end goal with all this was to like make it one of the best, if not the best, course in the country. And getting NCAA's, having Vinland Nana running the show is like kind of the peak. So it's pretty, I'm pretty pumped for him. Like you're saying, like he has worked yeah. hard for this, and um, it's kind of cool to see and. One, a of lot the, of pride one of the things program. that the our model guys might not know is that you know at the at the NCAA level or at the professional level, like cross country courses are oftentimes a bit easier than in high school because mm-hmm. they have to be uh, fairer. Like the front pack in those races is so big, um, and so you need a lot of width and yeah. you need a better surface. Um, so yeah, they tend to be kind of wider and easier. Yes, yeah, so um, they're. There's a bunch of changes that need to happen. They need to widen the course. The start line needs to be water. They need to have a straighter start line stretch. Like it needs to be straighter for longer. Um, yeah. And all this stuff, like there can't be a turn until the first like thousand meters, basically. So there's all these rules they have to fit to make it that yeah. level of a course. But yeah, they, they got to, until um, 2023 to make it happen, they got to get an out road. So they're either going to put a road next to the road that comes in or they're going to have a road that leaves somewhere else in the farm um, yeah. for traffic and everything like that. So it's a lot of work they need to do, but it's, it's exciting. Um, so yeah, yeah so your, guess, uh, from your collegiate career, do you have another favorite spot to run across the country? That's a good question. Um, well, huh? Uh, maybe probably my best race in college was a Pac-10 championship at Oregon State, Corvallis, oh. Oregon. Okay. And um, it was a really fun, flowy course. Um, uh, pretty easy, but like really, really like fun. Yeah, just like a just like rolling grass um, the whole way, um, and good yeah good surface. It wasn't like always like golf course level sur- surface, but maybe a little bit smoother than the Panorama surface. Um, it was pretty sweet. Um, the one that's most similar to Panorama is the Terre Haute course. Yeah. But I can't stand going to Terre Haute. I mean, you got to take two or three planes to get to Indianapolis, and you have to drive over there. Terre Haute's not a great town, and then it was always just cold and damp and just uh, yeah, you know, just it never looks fun. It so, never looks fun. I think no, you ran not. the year I the only year I've been out to Terre Haute was 20, 2007. and I went with my brother in the UVA, like all like kids that weren't racing. And I think yeah. I looked up the results. You ran that year, but. Um, it's always where NCAA's is, at least when you so, were there, right? Um, in high school. One thing you don't know about those results is that I was in like 40th, 45th place with at nine. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stopped running. I got off the course and stopped running. I had a side stitch. I couldn't breathe. And I stopped for over a minute. And I was like, basically, I was, my plan was like, I've dropped out of this race. And then over a minute goes by and I'm like, oh shit, I'm still our fifth man. So I start hobbling towards the finish. So I finished like 218th or something like that. What happened? I got a side stitch at around 8K and by 9K, I like could not breathe. Huh. Had that ever happened before? It had happened before. It happened a fair amount. I really think retrospectively probably should have focused on those like ancillary exercises more like more core stuff. Like for real, it actually matters. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing how running has changed too. I think in the past 20 years is like, 
that getting not only at the pro level, but getting brought down to the high school level is that ancillary stuff. Um, yeah. Huh. Wow. So you were, yeah. you were all American, basically. I was all American. Yeah, yeah. I was all American. And I had an awesome cross-country season flowing into that. Huh. So I got fifth, I got fifth at Pac-10s. And that's a monster conference. Yeah. Like yeah. Galen Rupp won. Shadrach Kip 2 was second. Nefariah uh, was second at NCAAs. He was third. Russell Brown, second at NCAAs multiple times in the 1500, was fourth. And then me. Wow. So... Whoa. I beat everybody from every team except for Galen Rupp and Kiptu at Oregon. Wow. So how did you handle that um, like afterwards? Because that was the end of your collegiate career, right? That was your senior year, right? Uh, no. Well, that was your junior year. Yeah. I, by the, tw- the last three years of my running career, I was like managing symptoms with my back. So okay. that's actually where, you know, you read off my PRs, but like I, I am proud of that 758 PR, but like my 5k and 10k PR, I was hurt. Those are not my, those actually aren't reflective of like the kind of runner I was at the time I ran them. Like the 2850, I limped the entire race. It was ugly. Well, 2850 is well, fast, dude. But I was <laughs> probably like a 2830 guy or 2825 guy wow. or something like that. And I was so that, that would have put you guy. like at the NCAA's chance to win it each year, right? Like, uh, God, it was so competitive. I don't think yeah. I would have been able to because there were multiple 28 flat type people. Guys, yeah. And, Rupp and was- Galen Rupp was probably <laughs> I a guess Rupp was there, yeah. 40 um, guy. Yeah, I don't Rupp- think I was I don't think I was winning. You're Rupp's age, right? Yeah, same class. Uh-huh. So we ran we, Galen Rupp and I probably ran against each other probably 15, 20 times. That's Whoa. Awesome. That's awesome. But he's the only guy that I haven't beaten in terms of scalps I've taken. No way. Everybody. So like, one um, of our uh, I beat Matt Centrowitz, who's the Olympic gold medalist in yeah. the 1500. That's, that's, that's it. That's a big one. So we have this game that one of our seniors started, who actually is new to the sport, he was a basketball player, yes. was the last man cut from the basketball team and started indoor last year and has fallen in love with the sport, like obsessed with it. So he like asked us this question on one of our podcasts and it's like, how many separations are you from L.U. Kipchoge? And so, like, you have to think about who you beat in a race. Yeah, yeah. And then who they beat and who they beat. And we're all multiple separations. You're obviously just two in multiple scenarios, right? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> my, my previous route was uh, I've, I've beaten Garrett Heath multiple times, okay. uh, my teammate. Um, Garrett, uh, in, in a race, uh, in, he, he won this race in Scotland, this, like, uh, this, this oh, yeah. cross, like, very famous cross-country race in Scotland. Where he beat Mo Farah. Yeah, he beat Mo Farah and Kennedy Bekele in the same race. So I'm like, I'm one degree of freedom from beating like Bekele and Mo Farah. That's awesome. And then I've beaten Centrowitz, so he's the gold medalist yeah. there, and he's beaten Legat and all these other guys. Man. So uh, I think I'm, I think I'm one degree of separation from anybody in the world uh, because I'm sure that Bekele's beaten um, uh, anybody. Yeah, I mean, there's he other debate now he's not the GOAT because he's lost some world records. and um. So, yeah, so I beat Garrett, who beat uh, Bekele, who beat Kipchoge. Yeah, there you Bekele go. Hasn't yeah. Well, this Billy. is different. Ours was being in a race with these people, not nothing about beating, like just being <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, race yeah. with them. You were yeah. actually beating the runner, so like it's a, it's a whole other level now. Well, it's weird, like everybody has bad days, so um, like – uh, you know, if you're, if you're kind of in the, in the game, yeah. uh, you know, I beat, uh, I beat Sam Chalenga head to head, um, at NCAAs. Um, I outkicked him. I ran a two thirty five last K really uh, in a five K. Yeah. And you, so and, explain this race. I don't know about this race. You raced the five K NCAAs. 
Yeah, that's when I became All-American for one time. Yeah, that's a good story. So I don't know if you want to do that now or not. But yeah, whole, let's do it. I mean, whole season. Okay, let's talk about that it. whole season. So basically, um, I have this uh, like this autoimmune disease uh, called ankylosing spondylitis. I thought it was a running injury because I was like, how is this not a running injury? My back is excruciatingly painful. I'm running a lot like running injury, right? Um, but yeah, it's a genetic um, uh, autoimmune disease that causes inflammation in my low back. Um, it's very similar to rheumatoid arthritis, but it's in my back. And that's what ended my running career. I've had three separate flare-ups and they each lasted about three months of like, can't run. So the way this actually went down is I came back to Charlottesville. I was doing a lot of training with your brother, Alec. Okay. And I got in really good shape, um, kind of long distance shape. Maybe I'm mixing up uh, Christmas breaks here, but I do remember I ran, you know, like some higher mileage. I ran the 10 miler course in 5103 uh, as a workout. Um, <laughs> Which that's insane. I, Guys, the 10 mile course in Charlottesville is very it's hard. hard. It's a hard yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah, was your yeah, mileage sure. at? Or like, um, maybe like, maybe my peak mileage over that break was maybe like 90, something okay, cool. like that. Okay. Um, and I, I always thrived on aerobic stuff. And I think that's one lesson for your, for your team is like staying healthy, doing the little things. You're going to improve. You're growing. You're going to improve every year if you just have that consistency with the hard work. And you don't need this fancy stuff. Probably like, you know, I've seen your training actually on your website, like your like training logs and everything like that. It's, it's unbelievably good. So if you buy into the system, like, you're going to improve. I mean, that's probably better training than I had through a lot of college. <laughs> At the time I had a college coach who didn't really believe in mileage that much. Who was your college like coach? A lot of like, well, I had three college coaches. So you had Gerard for a little lesson. bit. It's like consistency and buying into the same program, the yeah. same process, you get a lot better. So we didn't have that. And everyone in my generation in college suffered. Like we weren't as good during my years there as we were before and after. Yeah. But, um, wow. I would go home and I would get into like really solid shape aerobically, just really strong without much sharpness or speed work. Um, and a lot of my PRs are from early in the season and I would miss time the peak a lot in college due to, due to this uh, higher intensity, lower mileage work that we were doing. And um, so I, I came back and we went up, we flew up to Seattle and I was on, I anchored this distance medley um, and uh, I kind of got the baton in like no man's land. There was one of our other teams was way out front and I was in second. And I ran a 406, um, basically just solo on nice. no okay. speed work. Yeah, no speed work. And it had done zero workouts. So this is off of winter break type of thing. Off winter break. That's, a, that's Straight off winter break. The net, we flew back that night to California. And then the next morning I couldn't put my pants on. I was in so much pain. And failing oh. the pants test is like the classic... Um, um sign of a sacral stress fracture breaking your okay. sacrum so i was like oh shit i broke my i broke my sacrum so i go in for an mri and they're like you just have inflammation in your sacroiliac joint and i'm like awesome like just gonna crush the ibuprofen mm -hmm. i'm gonna take two weeks off i'm gonna be right back at it like i've got the whole rest of my season ahead of me it never worked this inflammation was so persistent and that's what led us to getting the genetic testing and all that kind of stuff to show that I had this disease. And this is ultimately what ended my, my running career. This is the beginning of the end. But so I, when was I this when you found this out? What year? So you? I was a junior. Okay. Red shirt, sophomore. Okay. And um, so I, my best performances came at a time when I was actually really compromised. 
three months off, just like not really cross training that hard, just kind of festering and just getting more and more and more frustrated. Mm -hmm. And we host the first big meet of the outdoor season, the Stanford Invitational. It's an enormous track meet, high school and college and pro level, 4,000 athletes. And I'm watching all these other people qualify for nationals and all this crazy stuff. And and this is the race I should be in. And um, I just, I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, I'm just going to um, start running tomorrow. Um, you know, kind of no matter what, like I don't have any more time left if I want to have an outdoor season. So, cause I lost my whole indoor season. I ran the 406 at the very, be- very beginning of January. And that was it. And, and this is late March, March, probably the Stanford Invitational. This is the, yeah, exactly. This is the April 1st. Okay? okay. So I had nine weeks until NCAAs. And I put together this like unbelievable season and it was all mental. I had no base. Um, I basically hadn't run since I'd been back in Charlottesville in December. And um, 18 days after running, I went down, flew down to San Diego. Um, The team had a little training camp down there. And um, I won this 5K um, on the track down there. Um, Um. it was interesting just to get like my legs underneath me, but I was so like, just kind of empty, like feeling like if, uh-huh. you've, if you've been used to training and then you haven't trained at all, it's a very strange feeling. And um, uh, I didn't have any qualifiers from that moment on. Basically uh, there was one more race, the pack tens and I ran the 10 K with okay. up. And uh, I think I maybe got eighth or something like that in a 10 K off of nothing but fumes. And I had no qualifiers. So in NCAAs, um, in track, there are um, multiple routes to get to, to uh, nationals. Was there something you had? Do you have a question or? Me? Yeah. Oh, there's a fly in my face. Sorry. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are multiple avenues, but the only one that was available to me was qualifying through the regional system. I didn't have the ability to uh, auto qualify. Okay. It's easier if you hit a standard, a time standard earlier in the season. Yeah. So top five in each of the regions go. And the West region was absolutely stacked. Of course. You yeah. had multiple guys in Arizona who are like NCAA champions. You had uh, the whole Oregon crew. You had a number of UCLA, Arizona State guys that were all Americans and very high level. And then you had all my teammates. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, probably the best race I had in college just in terms of pure performance execution and mentality. Cause I didn't really have anything in it. I, I, I didn't have the mileage at all, but I had, we had been working on speed in track and I had some confidence really uh, that I developed some speed um, compared to where I was in high school. I could never really cl- out kick anybody or close fast, but I, I, I closed a workout in a four eleven mile at one point And I thought, okay, maybe I have a chance to like close out a 5k here. And the race played right into my hand. Um, we came through the two mile and 920, which for those of us at the NCAA level at that time is pretty like moderate, yeah. um, pretty like comfortable coming through. And things just kept on packing up and getting tighter and everybody kind of festering at the front. And, and so I, you want I, top five, right? That's what we're shooting for, right? I need top five. And there okay. are 20 guys in the race at this point, all just ready to pounce. And I get myself in perfect position. Uh, just behind Galen. There's so much pent up energy, and we're at Hayward Field, and there are yeah, Hayward. 000. That changes everything. Hayward what? Field. People are screaming. People are going absolutely nuts. And at exactly 800 to go, 
Galen pounces and I pounce right with him. And the two of us broke this race up. Like we, the whole thing exploded and the crowd was going absolutely nuts. He ran like a 157 last 800 and I ran two flat. What? Uh, to qualify. So what place did you get? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is again, off nothing. So uh, my you last- say was- Oh, sorry, go. My last mile was like 411, and my last K was like 236, something, 235, something like that. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty dope. So uh, you said it was all mental. It, What's that? Oh, yeah, finish your story. Finish the story, and then we'll yeah, get to so that. I mean, it's all, it was all mental. It was all execution. Every single race towards the whole championship season, if I didn't perform, uh, my season was over. So... Um, you know, it, this happened even earlier in the season to qualify for regionals. I needed to get a regional qualifier. And this was early, you know, this was four weeks after starting running. Yeah. If I didn't run a certain time in that race, my season was over. Interesting. Now it's at the end of April. So this is getting, we're now into June and I go to nationals. Um, and um, they, there's a prelim for the 5k, um, two sections, uh, top six, make it plus next four fastest. So um, I lucked out. I, need, I needed the luck. We got in the second heat. Because you know the time. time. Yep. So you know the time. And they were going so slowly that I actually thought they were a lap ahead of where they were. And I was like, oh, man, they, we're actually going to have to work for this. And then it was like, no, they're <laughs> like jogging, like 520 pace, you know. Okay. Uh, so you're getting 10 guys out of your heat, basically. Basically, I, and I told them because I, I, I knew I had nothing but fumes. Yeah. There were 13 guys in my race, and I knew that 10 are going somewhere. Hey guys, all we got to do is run 70s or 71s or whatever. I was telling him, and Chris Selinski's in my heat and Brent Vaughn and all these guys. And I was looking at all of them. I'm like, one of us is going to take this, right? Like we're all doing this except, but yeah, I, I outkicked Sam Chalanga, the NCAA champion um, to, to get the last spot, to get the 10th spot. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Ran- I, my uh, the Stanford booster was actually he works uh, as an the announcer he's the okay. spotter so he's the guy with the binoculars narrating the race to the announcer okay um, was up in the booth and um I uh I ran uh, 14 flat point zero zero two they they went to the thousand oh that's place. cool <laughs> so I had never broken 14 it was probably like this far you know from breaking 14 and then so that um, race was pretty fast then like they made it pretty fast then it was it was uh, all all at the end let me tell yeah. you it was not an even pace and then the final was crazy so i'm in the final i'm like all right man like just like this is gonna be interesting and they give us some names hmm? can you give us some names of who was in that final uh chris Solinsky was uh one of the big names there was a group of four or five up front okay that, um like we're going so fast um came through the two mile at 848 and i'm just thinking to myself this is the fastest i've ever come through in a 5k like this is like it was feeling surprisingly good i okay. was there were five people and then there was a little tiny group of us two or three of us and then it became to me and this one guy austin ramos from ucla was my arch nemesis Ooh, um, I like this okay yeah yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. Got, this story's I, got I, everything such He's the exact type of runner you hate. Just such a parasite. And then, uh, like, not a good, like, not good at running in the pit. Like, all my scrapes on my shins are from this dude. Like, everything, like, just, ah. Mr. Ramos, so, if you're listening to this right now, we're sorry. We're sorry. If he, if he happens to be an Almora cross-country. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, he is a coach now. Um, oh, really? Coach somewhere. I forget. Um, but yeah, like basically it was just me and him and I'm in front of him and he's just sitting on me and I was starting to die with like 1500 or 1200 to go like for real die. And I knew like I wanted to become an all American, which is the top eight Americans. And um, I knew I had it in the bag if we could just work together a little bit. And I told him that I actually told him that while we're in the race, I'm like, come on, if you take it for a lap, like we're both, I mean, not in so many words, <laughs> but like, you just like help, help me together for a second. You can outkick me later. Like no yeah. worries. <laughs> and um, he wouldn't. And we got caught by these other dudes. And um, uh, yeah, I was really pissed about it, but I ended up snagging the very last spot. Okay. Um, um, to be an All-American. That was the one and only time. So what place were you? I was 11th, but there okay. were three Kenyans ahead. And the way they were, the way they did it was American okay. uh, athletes get it. Uh, for top eight Americans plus top eight overall, I think, yeah, are considered All-American. Yeah. If, cool. I think they may have changed that. Yeah. Um, like my personal opinion on it is they, they don't need to make that distinction. Just at, just give it to more people. But um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> so, I, so I ran 1401 in the, in the final. In the final. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know this. I, I, and I forgot, I knew you had this um, injury, like this um, immune issue, right? But I didn't know yeah. um, the um, details of it or the depth of it. Um, so it, it affected my ability to run consistently and to train consistently. Okay. And, you know, cut to one year later, I was, uh, I qualified automatically in the 10,000. Um, and I looked down the start line and I saw everybody and there were 26 of us and I knew everybody. And I just thought to myself, right before the gun goes off, like the, one of the most self-destructive <laughs> thoughts to have before you're about to race, uh, was I bet no one in this field has run fewer miles in their life than I have. Mm -hmm. Um, which is the key for a 10 K is like, it's just about how much have you run at this point? Yeah. How much work have you put in? And yeah. I just, I was so inconsistent, um, due to my health. Yeah. So I, I think, because we, we talk to our guys a lot about this and we, we try to talk about like person first language and getting them like comfortable with themselves as people and saying like, you know, like you being a runner is something that you do. It's not who you are. Uh, yeah. And you were kind of racing and competing at the highest level. Talk about how you processed. I'm, I, I'm actually really interested in how you processed like this kind of huge kind of roadblock in your running and how you kind of maybe moved on from it or just worked through it in college like how yeah. did you start to you know because it, it wasn't like you were a hobby jogger like you were one of the best yeah. you were an all you American had, obviously had big goals too right like i um, did it was weird to know that i had multiple rungs left on the ladder and i had to let them go like i went down to flagstaff to uh uh be with my friend brett gocher who had the fastest marathon debut of american ever he ran 210 and that, that was two, he was my main training partner in college. And uh, he just had two totally healthy years at altitude, just putting in the work. And it's amazing what can happen. Um, so I felt a lot of kind of sense of um, loss of running. And I went through kind of a grieving process for probably a couple of years afterwards. Mountains were there for me. And I'll, I'll, I can get into that later. But um, yeah. um, on the other hand, like I, so I narrowly missed certain barriers uh like i nearly made footlocker in high school and yeah, i was gonna I ask about things, but like i actually got a lot more that i never thought i would get when i started running or when i was in high school so i'm really thankful for all these things like becoming an all-american once that um 
you know, that uh, I had. But I think the main hardest thing to go into the heart of your question is um, to not derive too much of your self-worth based on your, your running performance or anything like that. Um, accomplishments don't really um, do much for you. I've dealt with a lot of, you know, other issues, uh, mental health issues um, since uh, probably in the last four years. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't wake up every morning and pat myself on the back for being a state champion or something like that. So it actually doesn't matter all that much when you get past it. Um, these accomplishments are more representations of like um, what you've done and, and who you are as a person and what you've put in and, and how much you've grown or put together. So um, you have to kind of focus more on the process. Um, and if you can kind of um, double down on what, what the process is and, and how um, uh how to get better um, as a person overall, then that'll, I think, carry with you more. Um, one of the other things, uh, you know, in college, I always wanted to tell this story. So um, um, I had a switch in mentality, like a noticeable switch happened uh, due to one specific event in uh, my sophomore year of college. So um, I, was, I was getting ready to run my first 10K. I'd put in this big base sec session. I was really strong, but I'd never run a 10K on the track before. It's very intimidating to think about 25 laps. Mm -hmm. um, it's really scary, yeah. you know? And um, um, I was in a big one, you know, um, and the race is gonna go fast. And I knew my role was gonna be to basically just like stay alive and hang on, you know? So in high school, you probably are running mostly in the mornings kind of midday afternoon you know like and i knew how to prepare for that you know i know how to get ready for an 11 30 a.m cross country race or whatever but in in college and professional level on the track you know you go for these cooler temperatures for the distance races and they oftentimes happen at night you know under the lights spectator sports so my, this race was like like 10 10 15 p.m something like that so i had and i'm in college this was actually a home meet it was at, I was say, it must be at stanford yeah a big you know, it's a big race um, and people are there from all over the world. Um, and um, so I thought, what am I going to do? I can't do homework. I'm too nervous. So I went to the library and got a couple DVDs and um, uh, just to, you know, turn my mind off and kind of relax throughout the day. And uh, this one I thought was going to be perfect. It's called Comedian um, and it stars, Jer it's a documentary. It stars Jerry Seinfeld and this more up and coming um, comedian and I thought it was going to be a stand-up special. I just thought it was going to be jokes, you know, but instead it's Jerry Seinfeld just dealing with the most intense anxiety oh, interesting. before every show. He's just like doubled over. He's like, why do I do this? I can't believe I do this. Ah. Yeah. And I'm like writhing in my chair. Like I am so nervous for this race. How cool. And his whole thing, he explained his whole mentality. He's like, being a comedian is who I am. This is what I do. This is a performance that I, you know, I, this is me getting keyed up to perform. And I, yeah, I'm going to bring an active role to, to my show. And um, so he was going through it and embracing the nerves. Yeah. And it switched the whole nervous thing for me. Yeah. Um, and it switched my whole mentality in racing. And I almost developed this, like, basically this alter ego, like for racing. And um, it was, it was this whole idea of like that, I'm going to take an active role in every race from now on. Like, there's no way that this is going to happen to me. I'm not going to react to other things. I'm doing stuff. And I'm biking down to the track and I see the lights and the announcer and the crowd's going nuts on these previous things. And I'm locking my bike in the bike rack. 
And I'm like, these lights are for me. Like I'm the show tonight. Like everybody's here to see me. Like, and my role is to basically get in this pace line and just get sucked along to a fast time. Like I knew I wasn't going to be at the front of this race or do anything special, but I was like, my active job is to like, um, basically just put myself out there and put myself in position to break 29 minutes, which I ended up doing. I closed this race in 60 seconds and, and, uh, um, there we and go. broke 29. And it was kind of a, ch a changing moment for me where I uh, just kind of leaned into my nerves and yeah. said, you know what, the, the reason for this is because I am in charge of this situation. So you can always take an active role in your racing, um, even if you're not going to be at the front um, making a move or anything like that. What if you're the sixth man? What if you beat their fifth man? You know, like what's, you know, what's my job? What, you know, and, and just get yourself psyched up for, um, the thing that you're going to do and um, not being surprised by um, um, anything anybody else does. You can't control it, but you can, um, you can be active. How cool. That's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah it was crazy. Cause the, this film is just like the absolute worst thing to watch. If you're nervous, <laughs> it's so bad. Jerry Seinfeld is just, he can't deal with how nervous he is the whole time. It's like a 90 minute film. Yeah. Well, the, the thing, the cool thing about I've like, I research, I read about this type of thing. I read about stress. I read about like how great performers handle it. And they talk, a lot of people talk about comedians a lot yeah. because they deal with like the, re, they just do their act over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Not to the same people, but like, especially when they're like trying to become young, like a up and start up and coming comedian, they'll go one night, they'll go one place to another place to another place to another place. And through that, they're dealing with failure. They're dealing with like, goods and bads but just like normalizing that and getting used to that is huge i don't know that was that's awesome um i'm gonna yeah. have to watch that that's so you feel like that yeah. had a huge flip on your career in racing in terms of that like yeah yeah absolutely so was that before you're all american yeah wow. yeah this was you know sophomore year in college and um you made 2850 as a sophomore yeah 2858 58. Oh, 58. And then 2850 later, but I was probably in 2830 shape or 2820 shape at the time. But I, my, I, my stride was so messed up um, at the time. I had basically had so much inflammation in my back that it was impinging on uh, nerves. And so I was getting all this referral pain down the side of my leg. And I couldn't actually fire my leg correctly. Um, mm. Yeah, it was ugly. Well, I'm glad you shared all that because um, it's really good as. Um, Chris was saying it really goes along with our culture of our program um, we're like a big believer um, and things don't happen by accident like one of my favorite lines is like champions don't happen by accident and what does that mean like you gotta believe you gotta set big goals but at the end of the day you can't put your self-worth in how you achieve if you achieve those goals or not it's like the act of going after them and the act of doing that and I think you showed through this your discussions of your career that like you have so much to be proud of in terms of how you handle the ups and downs and how you handle the injuries. Yeah. And I think if the guys get yeah. anything from this, it's like Hari was very successful. He had huge goals. He didn't reach all of them. He yeah. had some good things. He had some bad things, but it's like, when you look back on your career, like you were saying, you have so much to be proud of and so much that you handled really well and learned from. And yeah. Like, got better yeah from. Like, like I said, it's this weird disconnect of like knowing for sure that if I could have just been able to run for a couple more years yeah. that more would have continued to happen again because of the you know the way the process works yeah. distance running, 
Wisen, uh, my coach, would always say, you can't pay anyone to run your miles for you, basically, <laughs> right? So um, it's true. I mean, it, one of the things that, um, that I noticed, you know, in that transition from high school to, to college to, to seeing a lot of my peers run professionally and make the Olympics and win the NCAA championship and stuff like that, this whole notion of, um, that you get in high school of, um, oh, such and such and such person is talented. Yep. Such and such person is smart. Let me tell you, you get, into, you get into graduate school, uh, 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 or, or, or profession as a professional scientist, which I am, yeah. no one cares about how smart you yeah. are. Like, it's, they really don't. There's no actual sign-up sheet for that. It's like, they, they only care about your work. Yeah. Like, do you do good stuff or not? And the, all the people who are quote-unquote smarter than me, like, uh, honestly, they, they're like, they work harder than I do at it. Um, like, and the exact same thing is true for running. I remember watching um, uh, Josh McDougall versus Galen Rupp. Oh. And Josh McDougall beat him in, in cross country. And people were always saying things about Josh McDougall and how he's not as talented, but he just runs high mileage. It's like, well, isn't that talent? I yeah, mean, isn't that he, take talent to be able to handle that and do that mentally? Hurt, and he was just absolutely crushing it this whole like, time. He did like three thousand sit-ups a day, right? Was he crazy? Like he used to do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a lunatic. But like, yeah. uh, you know, like, like, isn't it a talent to um, have the mental tenacity to be able to do that? Like most people probably couldn't work that hard. Um. So this whole idea that someone is quote unquote fast or quote unquote talented or whatever, like that stuff, people grow out of that real quick because by the time you get to college, no one really actually cares. Yeah. Um, like uh, whether or not it's coming to you naturally uh, or not. Um, they really don't. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, and what you're saying is important. Like running is a good way to realize this, right? Hard work pays off. Right like believing in yourself could pay off. Right? Like we always talk about running be being kind of like a representation of the rest of your life. And I think you're kind of showing that with school. And I, I have a similar story where like, I thought I was fine in high school. I didn't think I was really smart, but I did fine, but I didn't work very hard. And in college, I like figured out how to learn and how to study and how to work hard. And all of a sudden I was like the best student in all my classes. And I'm like, yeah. and everyone's like, Oh, you're so smart. Adrian. It's like, no, I just work my butt off really hard. Like I just study a lot and I work hard and I do it right. Like I've learned how to do it right. And that's kind of translated to my coaching too. It's like, I'm going to work my butt off at this and make you guys as prepared or prepare you guys as well as I can. Right. And I think yeah. that kind of goes down the line with our guys. Like, um, and like our guys are always a little better at cross country than they are at track um, because yeah. of that, like culture of hard work and team and stuff like that and getting the most out of yourself for the team. But um, yeah, my, my, my uh, PhD advisor is one of the, uh, he's like a truly, uh, like game-changing scientist he like has created multiple fields and um, he he actually went to EC Glass briefly uh, what up in New York and then down here in Lynchburg yeah yeah but um, so he he like went to college it wasn't you know wasn't really doing much or whatever and then and he went into the service uh, during Vietnam he was in the um, Coast Guard and um, so he's in the service for four years and then he's like a 28 year old and goes back to college at Syracuse and just murdered the curve in every class. And it's like, yeah, here's a 28 year old man who's like, like had real life experience yeah. and like discipline. And he's, he's competing against like 18 year old kids who are yeah. not really 
focused at the time. And you don't really think about the next step, right? Like class, you know. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. This this is more and more of it. Like it's very very clear that in all of these things, that actually um, it comes down a lot more. I think to to your work and to your work ethic and to consistency than it does to. And running is the perfect distance running in particular is the perfect way to show that especially the high school level like i always say like if we have these guys buying in and buying into this program and working their butts off and actually believing right and like um we're gonna have a state champion caliber team every time because like the hard work does pay off and like it does i don't know it's a pretty simple sport in terms of consistency and belief but um well I, i really wanted to ask you and you've kind of answered this questions at the college level um, and not to bring up sore subjects, but I think um, our biggest turning point as a program was the year we lost states. Um, yeah. It was heartbreaking and we had a couple guys have off days and like we won that race 10 times, we win at nine, but like we lost in the last 40 meters um, when we were the favorites. And it was interesting because the year before we won is um, not like we upset and won and like that was the best feeling in the world. And then losing was the worst feeling in the world. And I remember talking to the guys being like, this is what happens when you go after something, when you put yourself all into something like these emotions, positive or negative are real. And they come when you throw yourself all in. So like, take that for, be proud of that emotion. Like be proud of that feeling. Right. Cause it only yeah. comes from when you really care and work for something. So like you were a high school senior, I bet going into the, your fall, your summer or your senior year, your goal, you had two goals, state champion, yeah, two, and goals. Full locker. Got it. two goals. It was pushing everything probably for the last two or three years of your high school career, but especially that last yeah. 12 months you lost in the last 400 meters of the state cross country maybe it was even closer than that to tobin um probably yeah it was a it was a it was a tactical error yeah um i I waited too late and i went too weak i didn't have enough confidence um basically i i just kind of chickened out if i'd gone a little earlier or if i'd um just like made a more convincing move i would have uh easily won but it's a very long home stretch into the wind. We know it well. Not yeah. that good on the uh, really big grass or mud or anything yeah. like that. At the very kind of weak kind of lower legs. And um, um, Stephen Tobin just put, a, he puts a lot of foot on the ground. He's just clawing up this yeah. uh, gentle slope and um, just, yeah, maybe last 40, maybe last 40 meters. Yeah. So you were in the lead until the last 40 meters. Um, yeah. I was and- at the front of the pack and it was so comfortable. We, yeah. it was, a, it was not a fast race um it wasn't overly slow i mean no cross country race is probably as tactical as track can get but um it wasn't nobody was like really making a statement for the first two miles and i should have just um uh you know up that hill or or somewhere um just um made a statement Mm -hmm. yeah um and then fast forward and then i'll have you talk about it two weeks was foot locker and top eight then made it out ironically now it's top 10 um yeah so they did that the year after and oh and i gotta tell you there's a little even exclamation point on that but like just setting the stage like so now you guys have nike um, yeah i was gonna say this foot locker was all the top runners locker was it and there were only eight people from four regions so they only took 32 and they flew you out to san diego and it was like crazy you meet all these professional runners and all that um and i was in um seventh place down the home stretch and the last step to the finish and there's photos of this it's it's so brutal i got out leaned by two guys to get ninth um, i mean this was that okay 
Yeah, no, it was absolutely unbelievable. Like I couldn't even wrap my head around what happened. I was going all out. I mean, I, I, I didn't like, um, it wasn't like States where you could, I, I was desperate to get across the line. Cause I knew that I was going to San Diego and, um, yeah, again, the last step I got out leaned by two guys. Uh, and then the year after they bumped it up to 10 and they hadn't told the athletes that. So what actually happened in that very first year is that Bernard Lagat personally called you and no told way. you you're going. <laughs> what? Why would they do that? That's crazy. <laughs> Nike made uh, like four of their top athletes call the two. So oh uh, my, my region was Bernard Lagat gave you a personal phone call to tell you you're going to San Diego. So I guess my question is going to the state meet. That's crazy. Um, and I forgot Nike was in charge of it because then they made their own meet and left it. Um, but going to the state meet, you probably thought you were the top or you were the top dog, right? Like you were very confident, very confident. So like think, as a high schooler. I think schooler, I was ranked number one. Yeah. As yeah. a high schooler, how did you handle the, that? The, the runner, I was the runner of the year, the cross country runner of the year uh, oh. based on their kind of record, but I didn't, I didn't win when it counted and I didn't get to go to Foot Locker. So did, how did you handle that? And do you think you would have handled it differently in college? Like I don't know, it's tough as a high schooler, but I think it's cool to hear about if you can relive it about how like the top high schoolers also have to go through this, like have to go through even worse. I think a lot of times your heartbreak is harder than someone that's like trying to break 18. Like, I think it's because you care so brutal. much. I, I couldn't even really wrap my head around like a worse beat than that, but I was just extra pissed for like Foot Locker. And I really brought that momentum into my next, uh, my next big one. And then the, the Foot Locker one was such a worse beat than, than, um, than States. Like Foot Locker was the most crushing um, loss I had in my life at that time of any kind. Um, I'm not talking athletics or anything. I'm just saying. That makes like, sense. Yeah. Locker was like the single biggest blow that I had um, personally at that time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're that level of distance runner, specifically, too, you spend so much time on your own thinking about it, right? And training for it and working towards it. Um, so, do you think it fueled you for your track seasons? Like, you had some good track seasons. Do you, do you think it fueled you for college? Yeah, I like did. And actually, early in that indoor season, I went down to Virginia Tech. Um, I remember and this. One of, the, one of the guys who outleaned me was there. So, yeah. it was me versus him, kind of marquee matchup in the two mile. And I just murdered him. Would you close end. in like 27, 28, or something like that? Wasn't something, something crazy like that. fast? And I'm not, and again, like, I'm not a kicker. That was off of pure vengeance. Like, yeah. <laughs> I remember my dad, I think, watched that race. And he came down. He's like, Harry closed like 28 seconds or 27 seconds at tech. Like, yeah. uh, uh, no, it was, it was. So the other thing about those guys, this is another story. So these, there were these Texas guys and I was like really anti-Texas guys because they just run these super flat courses and uh -huh. I didn't feel like, Good. and I felt like super suited to Foot Locker, but I'm like, put us on any normal cross country course in Virginia and it's a yeah. different game. Yeah. Um, and so the Foot Locker regional course is really regional flat. so fast yeah it's basically a track yeah it's cinder uh, it's hill, flat right? yeah it's, it's got one hill flat cinder with one hill in the middle yeah and then the, and then the yep. hill is followed by the most treacherous downhill you will ever go down yeah because if you don't yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. hang it's it you're going stock. into the yeah you're going into the lake <laughs> yeah if you if you're in the mid pack and somebody elbows you you might go into water yeah you're done <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no that's absolutely right um um, I forget what I was talking about. Uh, the two guys, Texas. The, the Texas guys, yeah. So then they go out there uh, to San Diego 
And um, I actually got to talk to uh, one of these guys I, uh, uh, back in the days of AOL Instant Messenger. Okay, nice. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, basically, like, I, I was talking to one of these guys, um, and they, I mean, they ran the worst at Foot Locker. It was an embarrassment to the South. They, all of them, ran over 17 minutes. What? At, at the national championship. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, what are you, what were you guys doing? And they said the night before the race, they were taking the safety pins for their bib numbers and giving each other homemade piercings. No. Cool. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, they were just so, happy to be there. Sounds like I have like. no respect for you. Every time we're in a race from now on, like, they're just happy only- to be there, and they wasted your spot. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, I really think I would have run well had I been there. Yeah, um, for sure. Are you good at downhills? What's that? Are you good at downhill riding? Because yeah, I was pretty good at downhills. Balboa Park is notorious. If you're good at downhills, you're gonna win that race basically because as that downhill with like 800 to go. Um, yeah. Well, that's you, uh, awesome. One of my best races, though, did come that indoor season, um, and um, um, <laughs> it was a weird indoor season. You know, not unlike my outdoor season with the All American. That indoor season was really interesting. Um, I got two concussions on back-to-back days at, due to track. Um, I was uh, I was on the Albemarle track, um, shuffling backwards, and uh, I tripped. Um, and, and hit the back of my head really hard and have like a legit concussion. Oh, God. And then we had the district meet the next day, um, polar bear meet outside. Uh, and um, uh, I was, we, were, we were required by the head coach for the whole track team to do a two lap warm up together. I'm like, well, we all run at different times. Not all of us do the same event. Yeah, it's, st- it's still there kind of, that's still, <laughs> still there. So during the two lap warm up, like a couple of guys were horsing around and like pushed me flipped me around and I land on the back of my head again. Um, and then I had to run the mile in a thousand. I didn't even warm up. I was just in a sleeping bag uh, on the ground. Uh, did you take so, a break after that? So I was, I, I didn't really, but I was not right for a little while. Um, the district meet, I ran the mile in a thousand and then I ran regionals. And then at States um, in the two mile, um, um, I was, I was out there, I, I started to get a side stitch and I had these side stitch issues um, off and on. I think again, like do those core strength, do the um, yeah, open hip up mobility, do yeah. all the like little ancillary stuff. Think about a little bit more than you should about your diet. Like all that kind of stuff, I think did hold me back in my running career. Um, but yeah, like, so I get this side stitch, but I just kind of like the mentality of like what happened to me at States um, in cross country fueled me. I was like, there's no way I'm dropping out of this race. And um um, one of the most amazing tactical things I've ever done. It was just me and Christo Landry. And occasionally I would try to pass him um, and he wouldn't let me pass him. And I'm like, beautiful, like by all means, like keep leading this race. It's just me and him. And um, we're coming up to, um, it's like 400 to go. And we're lapping runners. Um, and on the back stretch, I gently pull up to the outside right as we're about to lap this guy and I run him right into the back of that other guy. Oh, nice. I <laughs> uh, and I, I exploded and I ran a, a 59, I think. Okay. Um, nice. I really went the last 350 and that was my one and only state championship. So that was, was that at Mason or was that at, um, yeah, yeah that's awesome. And Chris, did, did you, did you thank the guy you lapped? Were you like, Hey man, thanks. You really played a big role. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but man, I like, yeah. It's um, like, 
we have to do concussion training. And I never thought it was because of like Albemarle's best runner ever, but it was because <laughs> like we have to do concussion training once a year. I've been doing it. I don't know, Adrian. I saw solid gray and I couldn't feel my arms from the elbows down. Oh my gosh, this is just blowing my mind. Now I will never complain about concussion. The Alcamoral track is hard. Like, it's not a good one to fall on. Especially back then, probably. Oh, man. Oh, man, that's amazing. Is the track better now? I I mean, it's got resurfaced. It's eight lanes now. I don't know if it's any better, but it's... I don't know. If you smash your head on the... the, Like, you probably won't feel... feel Yeah, I think think it's resurfacing. Um, Deb, if you listen to this... um, No, I'm kidding. Um, But um, that's never happening. Um, But, yeah... Wow. Wow. Um, well, Rez, are you at the golf course? Yes, sir. <laughs> Can you pay for me and I'll meet you there? Yeah, I'll, uh, I just got here. So I had to, someone egged my car last night. So I got I had to go to the car wash. <laughs> oh. oh, thanks. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, Hari, I, I sadly told Rez I'd meet him at 1130. So we got like five more minutes. So, um, um, this has been amazing. Uh, I'm really pumped. Yeah. I'm going to make sure all the guys listen to this and, and the girls too. I think there's so much to gain from this. Um, and especially hearing the, I mean, just fun and just motivational stuff. Yeah, I absolutely. agree. You should become a high school coach. So figure out a school near yeah, Santa Clara sure. that you can make that happen at. Cause I think yeah. you'd be really good for kids to listen to and uh, motivate. So there are um, two things I could think of, unless you have specific things you want to know, but there are two things I can think of to say. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, um, uh one is just for just pure fun okay so um the craziest thing i've ever seen in running okay uh, (laughs) is um my freshman year in college you know um we had on the team we had ian dobson who's the 2008 olympian in the 5k we had ryan hall who hopefully you know he's the fastest american marathoner of all time we had a bunch of serious talent there were four guys on this team doing uh, this, this mile repeat workout. Um, and it was Ryan Hall, Ian Dobson, Nefa Raya, who was second at NCAAs. Uh, both Ryan and Ian were NCAA champions and okay. Olympians. Um, and then uh, Chris Emmy, who's just an All-American 1340 guy, something like that. <laughs> they start with a mile off the track at 420. And then they come on the track and Ryan was in this phase where he had gotten too obsessive about his training. And so his whole thing was no watch ever. So he wasn't wearing a watch. Um, Is the coach to, now? He didn't even want anybody to know. He was like, don't even tell me what I ran, like to the coaches and everything. So Gerard is basically, uh, Coach Gerard, the former William & Mary coach, was our coach at the time. And he was basically just keeping track. And everyone's goal was, like, the whole idea was, like, don't like rile him up too much (laughs) like just just keep him relaxed so he runs six by a mile on the track so after that first 420 and then he starts at about 413 and starts marching his way down until uh basically towards middle of the workout or so on the other side of the track is the nike farm team professional team and they don't know about this whole watch thing and they start cheering him on and start going kind of nuts because they know something special is happening i mean we're talking about 413 411 411 409 407 right and then he puts the spikes on and we're like how much rest are we getting here do you know the rest the last one was 401 wow like seven by a mile basically 
couple minutes rest, two, okay, three minutes, minutes rest. rest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's your yeah. freshman year. Yeah. So like you're watching that and you're basically, I'm, I'm like six months out of being at Albemarle. <laughs> I'm now this in practice. That's, oh man, that's a good it's, one. It's still the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, Ryan What Hall, did you do after? What, what, did he say what, anything? Did he just walk off? Was he just like? He didn't, yeah, it was like, he didn't even know what he did. He knew we were all like kind of jaws dropped, but like he didn't, oh, I don't think he knew what he, I, he might not even to this day know what he did. <laughs> that, there's something to that. And we talk about it a lot, just like staying in the moment, running dumb, like not thinking about what you're doing or like overthinking it. Right. And there's something to that, Yeah. but that's like to the extreme. And that's, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, you should be able to know what you ran and not freak out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or bad, right? Well, the, yeah. Scary, the scary part about Ryan Hall now is that I would assume that there are a few kids on our team who know him as a bodybuilder, <laughs> not, yeah. not yeah. a distance runner. And we will have to go, Oh, okay. 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 So this will be good. This is a good education that the, that's the ran, bodybuilder ran, guy with the fast line. Four minutes. Yeah. He ran four minutes for the mile in high school, you know. Thank you. I mean, he's run the fastest marathon as an American, but it was at Boston. It doesn't count because it's point to point. Um, but he's yeah. basically top three American marathoners of all time, probably in terms of like yeah, his, probably. Uh, yeah, what he's and The other thing I was going to say was, um, you know, so you guys have probably heard a lot about Kelly Watt. I mean, I know it's, you know, kind of uh, part of the kind of um, legend, the kind of lore of our team, but mm -hmm. so Kelly was my teammate. He, we were, we were our one, two. Um, he's a year younger, right? You're younger than me. And, um, basically, yeah, he's the real deal. Like, um, he did work harder than everybody else that I ever had on the team. Uh, so like, yeah, it just, it, it's, he ran 920 for two miles and he had no real natural gift um to get him there so he's just kind of proof in the pudding that like you can kind of um uh you can do that you can do a lot um off of just consistency and work ethic alone and attitude um because that's pretty much everything and you know the way he died too on ridge road i mean there aren't there's nobody else that that could have happened to this, we just wouldn't have like been able to work that hard. I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, um, it's just pretty crazy that it all happened that way. But um, yeah, like he, he had a different like level, a different kind of gear that he could go into mentally. Um, he had no like natural ability. If you saw him coming in as a freshman you wouldn't think that this guy could make top seven um, in mm -hmm. high school. And he was going to run at William Mary. Um, so he'll run D1, exactly. Yeah. Yep. He's the best runner in the area that year after he graduated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, yeah. we talk about him a lot. I mean, he's still, attitude is everything. He's like on our website. It's still right. something we talk about all the time. Um, he's still a big part of the culture of the sports um, culture at school. Like um, most kids still know who Kelly Watt is. And it's cool to hear your perspective on um, it was even more than that. Like, like it was just a next level. Um, yeah, it really was. Huh. Well, thanks. But yeah, you can do it off of like pure attitude if you yeah. want to go that route. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, yeah, he was someone I looked up to a lot um, as a slower Western one. I definitely didn't have the attitude that he had for sure. Um, 
that's something um, that was, I don't know. Um, well, cool. That's, I don't know. Um, well, thanks for this. This was awesome. Um, I wish we could go longer. I have a lot of questions I would still want to ask, but um, I think we got a lot of good gems there. So awesome. Well, yeah. anytime if you want to keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. If you ever want to um, move back to Charlotte, we'll be an assistant coach. I kind of do. <laughs> Charlotte is so nice. Yeah. Does, does UVA have a good? We didn't talk about your geo. What is it? What, what is your exact? Yeah. So um, UVA kind of has it, um, but it's yeah, it's um, it's not entirely um, what I do. Um, their their focus is a little bit different than my specialty, but I kind of do a mixture of like geology and climate change. So part of and basically the, what I do is I. I use uh, different forms of oxygen and hydrogen, different uh, masses, different isotopes um, to tell things about the climate conditions in the past or, or um, wow. things like how and when mountain ranges came up and um, how that affected atmospheric circulation or climate. And then I also work on the biggest storms in the West Coast now and how they work, how they work to produce large amounts of precipitation. Huh. Wow. We could do, we could do a whole so podcast cool. on that, I think. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That sounds right up my alley. I heard the word isotope and I was like, I know what that is. There you that's go. <laughs> yeah, I could do the whole lecture. I got all my slides are right here, so I could just share my slides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want the whiteboard for us? I want the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I love it, Hari. Thanks so much. Cool. Um, awesome. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs>